I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast where we break down politics, government structure, and dive into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Wallentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're going to talk about the First Amendment. So get out your Bill of Rights. And let's get civical. With us today is Mara Wilson, um, and she can uh, give a little intro of um, of herself, whatever she you know what she's working on now. And we're excited to have her. Um, we're going to talk about the First Amendment of the Constitution. Um, we're going to get through all of them eventually. Today we're doing the First Amendment, super important. And I'm Arden. This is Lizzie. Hey. Hi. Um, <laughs> Hi. You know, Mara, I don't know whatever intro you want to give, you know. Sure. My name is Mara. I used to act in movies like Mrs. Doubtfire Matilda. Uh, and I am now a writer as well as a voiceover actor. Uh, I have been working on a lot of different things lately, but I have a book out that's called Where Am I Now? And I also have uh, a new subscription newsletter that I am running, and it is called Shan't We Tell the Vicar? Because uh, I love the titles of BBC shows, and I came up with a list of 
ones that I think were, would, you know, that I would absolutely believe actually were titles of BBC shows. So Shan't We Tell the Vicar is, uh, is what it's called. And that can be found at mara.substack.com. There's going to be stuff there that you can read for free, stuff that you can get directly into your inbox. But if you want to subscribe uh, and uh, pay um, $5 a month or $50 per year, you can get much more exclusive stuff and collaborations with friends and weird experimental stuff and uh, probably even scripts for some of these uh, alleged BBC shows. Well, great. Uh, so I think a great place to start is... This is sort of how we always start our episodes. It's just like at the very beginning of time because it's it's really interesting to see why these things came about. Uh, and even if something as simple as the First Amendment, aka like with the Bill of Rights and all that stuff. Right. So what we've learned is that at the dawn of America, um, mm-hmm. you know, think back to like when it was just Virginia and its 12 friends. Yeah. <laughs> that... Um, there were two separate um, like political, parties. political parties, Federalist and Anti-Federalist, right, yeah. basically right, yeah. pro-central government, anti-central government. And the anti-central government were like, we need documentation to protect our civil liberties and thus the Bill of Rights. Yeah. Right. So the first thing that came about was the First Amendment. And I'll just read what it is. It's, you know, in, in the hear ye, hear ye language, um, which is Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. This is, yes. So, so that's uh, that's in the old timey language with the, the S's that looked like F's. Yes. yes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember like going to going to like Philadelphia and Boston and and being and seeing the yeah. And I I never understood what exactly the rule was with that. Why did some of the S's look like F's and some did not? It's uh, but it, but it made for very amusing reading. That I feel like the only thing that people did well back then was write pretty. You know, like that was <laughs> the penmanship was spectacular. That's the only positive the- thing that came out of the 1700s. They also had a lot of, I mean, they also had a lot of, of yeah, a lot of very flowery languages and a lot of introductions to introductions to to this. There was a title, then there was a subtitle, then there was a sub subtitle, then there was an introduction, and yeah, that was it was very long. I mean, like imagine. Like, we, we wouldn't be in several of the predicaments we are in now if, like, our founding fathers were like, hey, free speech means this. Yeah. Religion means yeah. this. Separation of church and state means this. this. Women have rights. Like, we literally... Yep. <laughs> A lot would be solved if that they had, be, like, yeah. had forethought. If I could go back in time, that's how I would rewrite the Constitution. Just those things. And therefore, we would have a government. <laughs> yes. So the way we kind of broke it down, we did like religion cases, speech cases, press, and then like the right to assembly stuff. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of like go through, we can go through each topic. Let's start with religion. Let's dive right in and get to the complicated stuff. Let's <laughs> <laughs> dive right in. Well, what I found super uh, interesting about doing just like research on the different major Supreme Court cases um, is finding out how much they ruled against having religion, you know, in schools, especially and stuff like that, Um, which I don't know why I was surprised because we do live in a separation between church and state society, but we also still live in a 
predominantly like Christian, you know, we're like, we have like, we're based on Christian values. Um, and for some reason can't seem to shake that. Well, I think, I think in some ways there's that sort of, there's that paradox there of, of like, like if you look at the UK, they're not as religious despite having a state religion. Right. Right. And it makes me wonder, like, is it, is it, you know, if you say something is not, if you say something is, is, uh, you know, like people, people don't care as much if it's mandatory, but if it's, <laughs> they're free to, to express it in whatever way they can. I mean, that seems to be, that seems to be a thing in, in a lot of countries that aren't explicitly religious uh, sometimes, um, or they will, they will become more religious than the countries that actually do have a state church right, right. or a state religion. For the Church of England was born out of Henry VIII trying to divorce his wives. And it's just like, what a beautiful way, like what a beautiful foundation <laughs> For a religion. Really pure, you know. Divorce and lots of murder. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, so, major ones were a lot of, like, the ones where it's, like, is it against the First Amendment to have things like school prayer? Uh, that shows mm-hmm. up a lot. And, and apparently, I mean, it is. You know, that's what they've, they've ruled um, in cases such as Ingle versus Vital in 1962, um, and then uh, Abington School District versus Schnepp, which was uh, you couldn't have school-sponsored Bible readings. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, school-sponsored any sort of religious things. The Supreme Court has like very consistently ruled against, um, which is interesting to me because when you get to like using religion to like justify actions, and like what we just saw with the Supreme Court case with the the cake shop. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then when they ruled in favor of that, to me, it felt like so out of character. Like they've been ruling one way for so, like a consistent track record of ruling. Against, yeah, being like, like you can't use this to like for discriminatory actions or you can't right. do something that favors a certain religion over other religions. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of times it gets down to the to the just minutia of like, well, it's not this way, but it's this way. And the things that it's based on are, are you know, that seem completely faulty to, to you know, to, to the rest of us. Um, but I feel like people have been wanting prayer in school for a really long time. And, uh, and I, I mean, like, was there like a time, do you think, when, when it was a common thing and then it was challenged? Oh, or just kind I of think people that. looked the other way on? Because the word like one nation under God wasn't originally in the pledge of allegiance. Right. And then, yeah. Under God was under God was put in there sort of to, uh, <laughs> to distance ourselves ourselves from those godless commies. I, <laughs> I mean, oh, those godless commies. God has- I think that's, I think that's what it was. I think it was a cold war thing because it wasn't added. It was added in the fifties. There's so much about like the McCarthy era and the cold war and fear of communism that like, if we had dealt with that correctly, oh, we'd be in such a better place. But you're right. I think, like, the school prayer thing, I didn't really see stuff coming up against it until, like, the 50s and 60s. Yeah, it was probably pretty commonplace. Yeah. yeah. Which, like, makes sense because with, you know, the 60s, you're starting to see just, like, culturally we're shifting into a little bit more of a rebellious. Well, I'm kind of curious, who were the people who, who challenged it the first time around? Because it was, like you know, in the fifties and, and this, it was in the fifties and sixties, like it was a dangerous thing to be like an atheist or to be Jewish or Muslim or anything that wasn't, you know, in, in America, it was a, you know, that, that would be, 
that would be weird <laughs> to a lot of Americans, I think, that, yeah. That's who it was um, a lot of the times. Like, when they ruled that it was unconstitutional for schools to have, like, specific religious classes, it was because a mom who was an atheist mother didn't want her child to have to take these classes because oh, yeah? she was like, yeah. Um, it was uh, McCollum versus the Board of Education. I don't have a year for that. And then uh, and then there was, I do believe there was a Jewish mother when when it came to the Bible reading. It was either, it was some non-Christian religious yeah. parent that was like, <laughs> my child is not being raised on the Bible. Yeah. Why are you Let's making not, him read it? You know, we yep. shouldn't have to, it's like, they can't like force kids mm. to, you know, favor one religion over another. To me, my my theory on, like, why it suddenly started changing was just, like, the 60s are, you're seeing civil rights, you're seeing, you know, the anti-Vietnam, anti-Vietnam, like, a lot of anti-stuff starts happening. So it's not necessarily surprising to me that we're seeing a lot of these things at Mm -hmm. that same time period. I also think there's, like, it had been, like, enough time had passed between, like, when the founding fathers set, you know, put these articles and, and documents in place and the founding of the country, and now we're, you know, 100 and like almost 200 years later, there's enough distance between like the kind of ingrained assumed religiosity um, that people have towards others. Like you just would assume that this person shares like religious values or they share like mm-hmm. the, like a fundamental religious background, even though their interpretation might be somewhat different. And I feel like this is where you start to see a, like a solidification of that split where you can't, you don't always assume that now. Like, I don't assume that, like, just because I see somebody that they have a general understand, like, the same religious background or, or understanding of religiosity that I do. Another yeah. another thing with religion that I, that just sort of fascinated me a lot, it's going to take a total turn from schools and religion, which is the Supreme Court stance on polygamy has been oh, yeah. so curious. <laughs> it's just a curious thing to me because it's, like, the only thing that I can find where they're just always like, no, it's not right. Even though it's like based on quote unquote, your religion. And you know, normally they would probably be in favor of it, but there's something about the aspect of polygamy that they're just not for, even though like technically it is a part of like religious practice. So I don't really have like a firm thought about it, but it was just something that I kept (laughs) That is really interesting. Yeah. That does seem to be something that they don't, that they don't, uh, they 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 rule against it over and over again um i think to me it's one of those things that like there are certain like ethical like actions that we see as ethical or not ethical and you can't really explain why you feel one way or the other except that like it could be yeah it could be that it could be i mean there's also i i would want to read some of the the actual like casework and see what exactly it is that makes them you know that that makes it so strange to them I, I think that there's probably there's probably a little bit of the like protect our daughters kind of aspect to that which is that's where a lot of a lot of like in like the 20s and 30s you would get um you would get like things like the man act which were these were like anti-sex work acts but they would be things like you cannot transport a woman across state lines for uh, for sex work and a lot of these things were like we're like we're we're protecting them we're we're saving them and you know some of them were and some of them really weren't and i think that's kind of that's probably where it was going with this too is oh they're going to they're going to kidnap our our you know these these girls and keep them in bondage and all these things in this sort of you know they they you know that just the implication being that they can't they can't consent they can't you know 
that uh, it's, but it is odd. Yeah, it is odd that that is, that is like a big thing to them that, uh, I don't know, you could see kind of a benevolent sexism possible basis for it. But because I can't really think of why else it's such a big deal. I mean, it yeah. doesn't make unless it's like to me. I'm, they're probably looking at it being like marriage is between two people. But I'm like, where do we get that idea? From right. Like, where does that come from? You know, like specific religious foundations. Right. Well, it's it's also going going for a specific interpretation of of religion because there's all kinds of you know in in, in the Bible and, and such. There's all kinds of you know concubines and multiple wives and these kinds of things and. And there's, there's all kind. So it's it's very much like this is this one interpretation that is that is being chosen. I mean, people used to use the Bible to justify slavery, and the thing is, if you can find you know obscure enough passages in the Bible, or you can find these things that mention how things were long ago, you can say, oh, you see, you see, this justifies it. So we have to talk about the Baker case, the mas- the masterpiece cake shop. Versus Colorado rights. Yeah. It's interesting to me. So we were talking earlier that the reason that they ruled against the couple and for the baker wasn't necessarily, even though the arguments were based on like freedom of speech and he was saying that the cake is like a work of art. Um, and so he shouldn't have to be forced to make something he doesn't want to make. They basically were like, no, no, the Colorado rights commission treated the, the baker as like, they were mean to him. Yeah, that's that's the thing that bothered me. It was like they were mean to me, and that is that is the thing that they were like, okay, yes, they were mean to you. Like he's still discriminating based on his religious beliefs, which is not protected by the First Amendment. And didn't I mean? Go ahead, Mara. Sorry, I, I was going to say, yeah. I mean, that was the thing when I read it. It it there was it was sort of a you know it was sort of a good news bad news kind of thing or bad news good news I suppose where it was like okay this is a this is a ridiculous ruling, but the good news is it probably doesn't have that much effect on on future rulings because it's just this very specific it was just like him basically being like well i just want an apology or some nonsense like that you know and that's basically like what it was like you were unfair to me you treated me unfairly and it's like wow yeah imagine that imagine being treated unfairly right exactly uh yeah (laughs) it's it's so it's it's so specific that they've been like yeah it probably won't affect very many other cases in the future yeah no you're absolutely right i think like the thing that just dawned on me is that even if he was being they were being mean to him for lack of a better word it's still their right of speech if it's a free speech case to stand up for the couple and say this is a discriminatory action like they still have the right to say that so even if you interpret that as like as a negative as as like as meanness you know or, or being you know derogatory in some way like the commission and the people who are in that meeting still have the right to say, but you were discriminating against this couple. Do you know what I mean? Like it gets into these weird, these weird sort of like, and is it, you know, is it, is it state sanctioned, you know, belief that they, they are discriminating against him because they were like, Hey, that was a dick move. Or is it, I mean, it kind of reminds me of like how sometimes, and I'm sure this will probably come up again. I think it's the, one of the like church of Satan's, there's a couple, in or like a temple of of this will will uh specifically protest against things like they will say they will say and and their whole thing is basically like 
kind of like performance art where they'll say like, Hey, if you're going to give out flyers at school for extracurricular activities that are Christian, we are going to give out ones that say this, or they'll say things like it is our religious belief that women deserve birth control. So if it is against your belief, you have to respect our belief and they'll, they'll like counter sue and do these, these weird kind of things where they're like, well, actually in, in our religion, we believe it to be this opposite way to sort of challenge and see how, how, you know, how far that can go. No, I think it's brilliant. Especially since you can just like create a church. Like it doesn't have to be particularly well thought out. You can just go and create it and yeah. And then file in federal court. Honestly, as long as it's not polygamy, everybody will be on board. (laughs) (laughs) That's literally the only thing I can find where courts are like, no. (laughs) <laughs> are you ready to move on to the next section yeah. of the do we want to do yeah sure press want to do press let's do press since right. um it's truly under attack right now um what was the court case mara that you that you wrote about in your project because i looked it up and i was like this is so interesting it was the one about the um the students in the newspaper Oh, yeah. Let me see if I can look that up. Student newspaper. Oh, was that the one where um, the, like, school edited? Hazelwood, yeah, Hazelwood School District versus V. V. Colmeyer, which was, yeah, the, the case concerned the censorship of two articles in the spectrum, the student newspaper. There was, there was one about divorce and one about teen pregnancy, and, uh, and so they they uh they were like oh we don't know about this because the teen pregnancy thing might be too too i guess they were like it's too racy but it's it's talking about teen pregnancy and probably uh, the facts and and how to avoid unwanted teen pregnancies but also yeah they they said they said that uh uh they were they were worried about uh it says they were uh he, the principal was concerned that students would still be identifiable from the text, uh, and he thought that his the he thought that the girl who was talking about how awful she was talking about uh, this one's kind of odd. She was talking about how like uh, there was talking about divorce, and this girl said that like yeah, my father didn't treat me well, and they didn't, and you know my father my father was like always out on business trips and such, and he was like oh I object to that because your father should be able to defend himself Mm. oh right and that's that one seems like the 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 teen pregnancy thing seems like pretty much classic like abstinence only education nonsense but the but the like your father should be able to defend himself that's like so weird i mean i feel like how many times kids are like you know complaining about their dads and complaining about like the crazy things their parents do like i've seen it in school newspapers before so it's 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 odd that it's that particular but the they asked they the court case they said to them they were like okay do you consider the newspaper an open forum and the students were like well yeah i guess you know the students the students it's the students said yeah it's it's an open forum for students and the supreme court was like mm, actually we don't really know if it is uh because because they said uh uh, a school not need, need not tolerate student speech that is inconsistent with its basic educational mission, even though the government could not, uh, let's see, they say only when the decision to censor a school-sponsored publication, theatrical production, or vehicle of student expression has no valid educational purpose. So they say that uh, it's, they they said that it's basically that 
Um, the, the majority opinion said school administrators are not required to tolerate speech that is contrary to the school's academic mission. Uh, so it's, it's pretty, yeah, it's, it's very, it's kind of strange, which is, and it's often contrasted with the, uh, Tinker v. Des Moines. And that case was, that case was, that's a really interesting case. And what happened was people, uh, a bunch of students got together with, and families got together to talk about how they felt about the, the Vietnam war. And they all decided to wear black armbands to school and some with peace symbols, some just black armbands, and the school was like, take them off. And they were like, well, no, we're, we're wearing these to, you know, to, to mourn. And they were like, nope, you got to take those off. And so, and I think there was a, there was a quote from it that said something like, uh, children do not, children do not shed their first amendment rights at the schoolhouse. Yes. Yeah. Something like that was written in the, it's yeah. So good. But, it, but, it, but then you're right in the, in the Hazelwood versus Kuhlmeyer case, it's like, is it, isn't it within your rights, it, like, free press? Right. You know? Right. Or you can, unless it's, you know, as long as it's not, I guess, like, inciting some sort of, like, horrific violence, like, you are free to print whatever it is that you want to print. So it's weird to have the fact that they're, like, you know, 20 years prior being, like, students can have First Amendment rights when they're at school. Well, it's it's so, yeah, it's so, but it's also so strange because, I mean, there's, there's like, if it were a private institution, and that's the thing in this country, there are so many organizations that are private institutions, and because of that, they don't, a lot of times they don't have to play by the rules. They can censor whatever they want. They can say whatever they want. But this was a public school, so it has to take into account, okay, was this a, was this, you know, was this a, a school thing? Was this a public thing and there's there's sort of this schools in in america kind of i think sort of exist in this no man's land of like are well are they private do they get to make their own rules do they not and you see that a lot with like charter schools i mean that's nothing with charter schools charter schools are privately owned organizations and a lot of them can kind of do whatever they want and so there's still this kind of confusion between how much right school districts and schools actually have i mean i feel like yeah, if you go back, it, it really does go back to federalist versus anti-federalist, does it? Like, do we control these things or do we not? Yeah, yeah exactly. it always does. So, what are some what are some press cases? I have a couple of those. Um, a big one, uh, just changing the tune a bit, was the New York Times versus the United States in 1971, which was the Pentagon Papers case. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which a little brief summary on that. Essentially, the New York Times wanted to to print these papers um that gave classified information about the vietnam war um not necessarily positive information and the government was like no we're gonna stop like we can't do that um and the supreme court ruled in favor of the times um and that they could print this stuff um i wish i read the full decision on like why that was but i assume it has to do with the fact that the american people deserve to know or something obnoxious like that <laughs> yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> like we should know why we're at a war um with a country that we're not we've never actually had conflict with um so that was a big one another this i don't think was as big but to me is super fascinating um which was uh simon and schuster versus members of the new york state crime victims board um oh. and with, this was uh, this is because i'm just like a true crime fanatic um, mm-hmm. it, uh, there was a law called the son of Sam law, which basically meant that, um, inmates convicted of a crime who like wrote a book, those right. proceeds would have to go to the state. Um, and so 
Huh? That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and so this this Supreme Court case essentially struck down that law um, because it was, you know, it's it wasn't benefiting the victims in any like that money wasn't going to the victims of these criminals. It was going to the state, mm-hmm. and it just made zero sense. Well, I, I remember hearing "Son of Sam" laws meant meant that you couldn't the person couldn't make money off writing books. Or, or that's I, or maybe I'm thinking of a different law. There is one I know where, where if a criminal, if a, if a, if a you know, or a convicted felon, uh, writes a book, they can't sell it and make money off of it. They don't get the money. But the distinction here was that it, the money would go to the state. Yeah, and it wasn't going to the publishers. Um, right. So that's why Simon and Schuster sued because um, they're like, we published like, it, <laughs> we made it. Yeah, like you know, get a percentage or whatever, and they weren't being allowed to do that because of this law like the, like some of these things i'm like we took time to come up with this you know <laughs> but we can't what else do i have um so well, there's the one that was just brought by um about trump and twitter and he can't block people oh, and yeah. who was wait what was the group oh it was um knight institute versus yeah, yeah. trump yeah um this kind of bleeds into you know the right to petition or you know protest the government um essentially they ruled that it was illegal for Trump to block people on Twitter because as the president, like he can't, um, right. Stifle free speech, stifles free speech yeah. for just for basically for just criticizing him. Yeah. You're allowed to criticize the government. That's what our, gov- that's what our whole country is founded on. Yeah. Um, it's the right to be like, <laughs> you suck. But isn't he, but I mean, he still has people blocked though. I, I have, I have like friends of mine have been blocked by him. <laughs> Is it just... Well, I think he's appealing it. And I don't know that if, when they're appealing it, if it's, like, still... I don't know. But yeah. that was the ruling that did come out. Mm-hmm. Or, or knowing Trump, he probably just is ignoring it. <laughs> probably. But, the, but I did see that the judge uh, recommended that he mute people. Mm. As, a, <laughs> as a recourse, as a, if you must. It's literally like talking to a child and being like, yeah. hey, uh. if they're being mean to you, just ignore them. Just ignore it. Turn the other yeah. cheek. Turn the other cheek. You know, take the high road. And it just blows my mind. Blows my mind. I mean, and like, you know, the, just the idea of free press and the fact that this whole fake news things and like the things you see in the media about people in the administration throwing around the idea of punishing journalists. Yeah, having a database of journalists and, yeah. That's, yeah. like, that's worrisome because it's, I mean, yeah. it's that is the foundation of. Yeah, it's a slippery slope because that's the first step. What's the next step? And we've seen that in in other countries. You know, it happened in, in other in countries that have dictators and yeah. they start keeping mm-hmm. track of people. And at one point, you know, it's like, well, what's the, what's the list for? What are you going to do with it? I mean, it's the same argument that, you know, uh, people who believe in the second amendment have about a gun registry, you know, what are you going to do with that? You're going to come take away my guns, but here it's okay that we keep track of all of the members of the press. Um, you know, it's it makes me nervous. Slow. It makes me nervous. I think this transitions us very nicely into freedom of speech because we're talking about slippery slopes. Um, and I want to bring up something that I found in my research which, like, freedom of speech has always been, like, you can say whatever you want as long as it's, like, the only things that aren't protected are hate speech, things that um, are, like, you know, yelling fire in a crowded movie theater. Was, yeah, they always say fire in a crowded theater. That's that's become the thing. But hate speech, hate speech still, a, a lot of times, is still allowed. It's, that's a, that's sort of a fine line. I know. Yeah. 
it's does it incite violence does it not you know that kind of thing I literally um in my notes uh when I was researching this because I was looking I was reading things about court cases that are against like you know back in the day like the Nazi party from protesting and they're like they're allowed to assemble and meet and whatever in March because um just because you don't agree with their message doesn't mean that it's hate speech and I just feel like it's hate speech (laughs) (laughs) speech. you know like how is racism not hate speech I don't know but you're right it is this weird gray area that I can't seem to get a get some true clarity on from from SCOTUS over the years um but before like way back in the day um there was something called the Sedition Act of 1798, um, mm-hmm. which it, it, so a Sedition Act happened twice, once in 19, or some, sorry, 1798, and then again um, in 1917. And in this time, uh, we passed the Alien and Sedition Acts, the Alien Acts being like making it very difficult to become a legal citizen of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um and then the Sedition Acts being you can't criticize the government. This happened during John Adams' presidency, uh, who was not, I don't, he was not, not a great president. He was, he was a really good lawyer. He was a really good thinker, but he was not very popular as a president. No. no. So that was the first Sedition Act that happened. And then the second one happened, uh, weirdly enough, in reaction to World War One. Woodrow Wilson. Right, I remember hearing about this. this. Yeah. Um, so again, it's the same thing where it's like criticizing the government, be, you know, it makes it yeah. a crime. And they actually prosecuted like 2,000 people under this law before it was, it was struck down. Yeah. And I feel like Woodrow Wilson was a little bit of a wet blanket. He was a dick. People, people love to talk about him, but he did, he said and did a lot of terrible things. Well, yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a Woodrow Wilson fan. There I said. No, I'm not either. No relation. Never felt good about <laughs> him. to him here. No, no, Woodrow, if you're listening, which I know you are, not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. <laughs> also, like, what is Woodrow? Like, what is that name? Where does that name come from? Name me another Woodrow. I know. That's such a good point. Who, if I could say anything to him, I'd Woodrow. tell him his name is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and then he caused the Second World War. Because he did. He did. He literally did. He literally saw Hitler and was like, you're going to pay for you, all of this. You're going to, I'm going to stop you over time. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan not a fan of what no, no um uh so other things about free speech again like going back to just this idea of what's protected speech and what's not protected speech um because yeah. there was a a case that i have here brandenburg versus ohio um in 1969 which um mm-hmm. oh god yeah was basically the kkk uh mm-hmm. wanting to you know do their speeches and demonstrations and stuff. Um, and the Supreme Court ruled that uh, that that was okay because it didn't present clear and uh, present danger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember talking about this with uh, my college boyfriend, which shows you the kind of nerds we were. And I remember us talking about how I think like a lot of free speech organizations have supported these, these things of like the sort of like, I don't agree with what you say, but I will defend your right to say it. And so they have defended groups like, like the KKK and like NAMBLA, which is, you know, all about men and boy, you know, men, men should be able to have romantic relationships with boys, like really young boys. And, and yeah. And I remember thinking about that, that I was like, okay, but, but these groups like actually do want to 
cause physical harm to people. Yeah. Right, exactly. I mean, I guess I guess people could could say if they were going to say something like abhorrent, that's one thing, but but these people want the right to actually if they want the rights to actually carry it forward and hurt somebody. Right. You know. Because just because you don't name a single person or a single child doesn't mean that you're not advocating <laughs> for like broad actions against a particular group. I just feel like saying like eradicating, you know, you know, this specific race feels yeah. threatening. Yep. Yep. Feels threatening. Feels yep. like it's inciting. Well, it's it's really it's like such a weird thing of like you can talk about these things but you can't say I am going to do this. Like I've heard before that like people will be like, Oh, prank calls are illegal. But I've heard that in a lot of places they aren't. It's only if you say, I'm going to come to your house and hurt you or something like that. It's only if you make an actual threat that then you can be like arrested for it. You know, there's, there's, but we're still trying to figure that out. And God knows we're still trying to figure that out with the internet too. Oh, well, God, yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole, I like the, the creation of the internet, I feel like is, is just going to continue to turn the first yeah. amendment on its head because it's like, you know, yep. what can and can't you say when it's. Like, not direct, when it isn't in front of somebody. Like, can you incite hate or, like, be threatening over the internet? Yeah. It's, it's hard and we're, we're still figuring that out, but I mean, we, we didn't even figure it out before the internet. So, so it's just a mess here. It's really? an unsolved problem that we've only made worse. Yeah. Yeah. We're like this all yeah. feels very murky and gray. Oh, now I can do it like remotely. Right. All the time with a device in my hand. Okay. The last, very last little section, I say little, it's a big section, is the, is the right to assemble, um, which has like a lot of the same. I mean, it's, it's free it's speech. All the same undertones. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, just Supreme Court cases that I have here. Um, it's again, it's again similar things. I have Edwards versus South Carolina, which was in 1963, which was black student protesters were arrested for marching against segregation, um, nice. and the Supreme Court ruled that again, you can't keep people from assembling, marching, protesting because you don't agree with their message. So the same yeah. theory that works with, like, the KKK, the Nazi party, um, it also works for people who are protesting for something that's good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which is nice. Um, and then there's there's a lot of, like, legislation about um, how the states and local authorities, like, what they can and can't do as far as, like, allowing it to happen. Like, they can never deny it if it's, you know, if everything's well well within normal yeah. like they're not you know doing something crazy or committing a crime like they're not allowed to deny it they're allowed to like put certain sort of restrictions on it like you know like it can't be at 3 a.m in a neighborhood and you're blasting mute like it can't be disruptive right um, to other to like the people around you i guess but again it's like to me a nazi march is disruptive to me at any hour of the day <laughs> I should run well, this country is what I'm saying. <laughs> There's also, I mean, I feel like there were so many cases in like the early 20th century of like unions striking and like strike breakers coming by and getting really violent and, and, uh, you know, police. And it makes you wonder, like, people will be like, oh, well, just don't get violent. And it's like, okay, but who, who, who decides what is and what isn't violent? Right. I mean, there is like, it's that, it's such a gray area because there is like law saying that police, law enforcement, they can't use force against any sort of peaceful protest like that's right that's like illegal 
But when you have these situations that spiral out of control and you can't tell who's made the first aggression, you know, once aggression starts, whether it is from police or it is from protesters, then police law enforcement are like that, like they're allowed to, you know, retaliate with force. Um, If they're not using it first. Well, I mean, that's why, that's why the, the, you know, the Charlottesville thing was such a like tipping point because people are, are allowed to protest in, in these horrible ways. And then, but, but there was somebody, but somebody got killed. And that was the thing. It is very American to be like, well, I don't agree with it, but I'll let you talk. And there's this sort of knee jerk reaction of, you know, don't, don't shut, you know, that's freedom of speech. Don't, uh. You know, you can't fight against it. That is something that I feel like we hold very, very sacred in this country is the idea of, you know, you can say whatever you want. But, but I mean, there's, yeah, and then there is this, you know, but a woman was killed. If somebody was killed and that is, and that is when, I don't know, people actually start taking things seriously, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Well, that's when yeah. it's, you see the danger of that gray area, right? Where it's like, yeah, me just saying, you know that the white race should be the only race isn't necessarily inciting violence. But when you are a person of color and you're hearing that, like, right. It you is, are, uh, you are justifiably like, afraid. It's a, yeah. It is yeah. an act of, you know, aggression, I think, but it's yeah. like technically not. Um, yeah. And I think it's just a very limited and white way of thinking. It's all, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard and it's confusing and it's something that we're still, I don't know, we're still battling it. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, so there are like rules on where you can, like if you are disturbing people's peace, you can't. Yeah. I mean, ugh, I mean, there's like. You have to obey various, you know, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, you have to like on. apply for permits and such like that. You have to tell like where you're going to be and when, um, and, uh, you know, you have to give a specific route. Um, which is why counter protesters always know where these things are going to be. Right. Um, yeah. Because it is like a public thing that you have to like register for. Right. As long as you're not committing other crimes while doing it. So it's like disturbing the peace. Yes. Um, okay. In that sense, like doing something at 3am, that's what, you know, that's what that would be doing. Yeah. If you're doing it at you know noon, I guess you're not. And that's why, and is that, I mean, is that why when, when, they can, they like always get police in there if there's protests, like any illegal protesting is, you you have to get a permit before protesting. That just seems so. I mean, there's certainly like spontaneous I, things. Yeah. Um, but like. Like a planned, you know, like the, all the planned protests or even if you want to have like, um, you know, like a party in a park that's over a certain amount of people, even if you're not like protesting anything, you have to get a permit to be on like government land. Um, and you can't like, you can't, certainly if it's on like private property, the people who own that property would then have the right to like kick you out. Yeah. It just, it just also seems so funny to me that like, you know, we're protesting against this. Oh, by the way, can we protest this? It's yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hypocrisy is something that pops up a lot in this country. Uh, and with the First Amendment, there's a lot of like, you can do this. Oh, you can also do this. Oh, but wait, I said you could do that, but only when it's under these very specific circumstances. Otherwise, it's this. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's all my notes. Mara, yeah. do you have anything else that you want to I mean, add we, to the First Amendment? We covered a lot. We yeah, did. we did. <laughs> we really did. It's hard not to. It I know. Really, yeah. Um, 
Well, thank you so much for, for being on and for talking with us. No, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, yeah, God. of course. And um, I know you mentioned stuff in the beginning, but is there anything that you want to, like, anything you want to plug, anything coming up? Uh, yeah, you can also, uh, if you like animation or have kids, I am doing a voice on the show Big Hero 6 on Disney. Uh, I'll let you see who I play. Uh, somebody very different than myself, which is, you know, the beauty of uh, voiceover. And uh, yeah, and also, again, you can find more of my reading and subscribe to more at mara.substack.com. Awesome. Yay! Um, thank you so much, Mara. Thank you, Mara. Yeah, thank you.